I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. Hope you're having a good week. Looking forward to the weekend. Um, but we're going to deal with something that is very, very important today. And, you know, in, it's interesting because there's sort of a fine line sometimes between conviction, which is of the Holy Spirit, and condemnation, which is not of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we all make mistakes. We know what we do. And how you deal with those mistakes really is key. It's you got to know you're gonna you're gonna mess up you're gonna miss the mark sometimes a little sometimes a lot that's really not the question the question is what do you then do well today's guest uh, had to go through some painful processes to learn some very important things and she has a new book out it is called reframe your shame by irene rollins uh and that right there that that third word in that title is one of those big words that unfortunately is a little bit like quicksand uh and and you can get stuck there and and that doesn't do you any good it can suffocate you so uh chat is open good to see some people here already uh if you want to be a part of the conversation you can jump in but irene uh, i want to thank you for taking the time to share your story and to be with us here on life today live thank you for being here I am so appreciative and honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, is this hard to talk about for you? Not at all. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Well, I mean, and I think people will get why I leave with that question. Um, but I'm just going to, I want people to hear from you. So take us through the hard times so we can understand how you get through them. Because I think a lot of people do get stuck in in a lot of areas and you've walked it. So I want to hear from you. Take us back to where things started getting a little rough for you. Yeah. So I decided to write this book because shame almost took me out. Hmm. Uh, Literally almost killed me. Um, Shame became my middle name when uh, really I was born. I feel like I was born into shame (laughs) when I started to really unpack it. Um, just being born biracial and all of the things that were surrounding the challenges my parents had growing up. Shame has just uh, inundated my life, whether it's by looks, self-esteem, it was just shame about uh, choices I made, things like that. But shame became toxic in my 30s. And my husband and I were pastoring a church, uh, a thriving, growing church in the Baltimore area, just south of Baltimore called I-5 City. It was an amazing work. His parents had transitioned the church to us. On the outside, it kind of looked like our life was perfect, right? We had it all together. We had the dogs. We had three kids. Um, At the time uh, of this story that I'm about to share, um, I had an 11-year-old girl, 13-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl. So adolescent years for them. Uh, Jimmy and I were married, just not happy in our marriage, but that we thought that was our normal and thought that was our life sentence, kind of dysfunction with our normal. So we were just like, hey, let's do what we love, which is um, run the church. And full force ahead, the church grew a lot faster and then we anticipated and the responsibility was great. Mm -hmm. And when it did, betrayal and grief and 
all the things that happen with being a human being and a leader and things of that nature, we didn't know how to d deal with it. So even from an emotional level and the, it started to weigh on us and stress coupled with undealt with issues from my past, from my childhood. Um, I started having flashbacks from my childhood of uh, sexual abuse and um, things started coming up that God was saying at the time, I didn't know, okay, it's time to deal with this, Irene. It's mm -hmm. time to get dive into your past and the shadows so that you can move forward in freedom and health. But I didn't know what to do with all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just stuffed it and my numbing agent turned into alcohol. And it started out with us being on vacation and saying, you know what? I didn't, I literally didn't pick up a drink from the 21 when I met Jesus till 32 when uh, we were on vacation. I was popping out babies in ministry. Just thought, you know, drinking a pastor, bad look, right? Yeah. So <laughs> what, what I didn't know and wasn't aware of at the time was that I had actually already been an alcoholic and dependent on alcohol because I started drinking when I was exposed to it at 10 years old and abused it all through my teens. So by the time I met Jesus, um, I thank God for salvation because I, I don't know where I would be during those years if uh, I had continued drinking, but I just stopped. But when I added it back, I picked up right where I left off. So abusing alcohol and I became dependent on it in a six year period of time while leading the church. And I didn't do it at work. Did, uh, the, you know, on the outside, it looked like we had it all together, but at night I binge drank mm. to the point where I began having blackouts at the end, closer to the end of the six years, um, relational issues. I hid my issue. Uh, the relationship with my husband was a hot mess because we, we literally argued about how much I drank. Yeah. Um, I hid in shame because I felt bad about uh, my life and it, it shame says I am bad. Guilt says I did something wrong. Mm. I had both. <laughs> mm. I felt like there was something fundamentally wrong with me. So when I would make mistakes, I would shame myself even more with negative self-talk and what have you. Ended up in rehab, hit rock bottom. Husband gave me an ultimatum, like either you get well or I'm out. And I didn't want to lose my family, but I didn't want to give up alcohol. It was so strange, this addiction thing that I had no clue about. I had no idea that it could hijack my brain and that my value system, my core values, my family, the love, my loved ones, it all goes out the window. And I started to um, hide it even more like vodka and water bottles. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And no one in our congregation, no one in leadership, no one knew what was going on until we finally got clean and got honest with our pastors. I believe every pastor needs a pastor. And they sat us down, said, y'all aren't gonna do ministry. They sent people in to preach. We were in counseling. I was sent to rehab. Um, and now I'm six years, uh, as, as of this November, I'll be seven years sober, mm. November 20, um, of 2022. And, you know, really rock bottom was the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah, yeah. New, <laughs> new creation. So just let me help me understand a couple of things. Um, mm -hmm. did the 
alcohol cause the problems or did the problems that you hadn't dealt with cause the alcoholism or kind of both? It's kind of a little bit of both. So the, the way I like to explain it to people is when you have trauma, PTSD, mental health issues. So shame causes mental health issues, which I was unaware of at the time. So shame led to anxiety and depression. It's going to counseling, never really got to the bottom of it. So that pain from my childhood, the pain from uh, PTSD, when you add a substance and then you go out of moderation in it, you're rolling out the red carpet for addiction. So for me, it was alcohol. But for some people, they cope with their pain. They cope with their um, their shame through perfectionism, through covering and hiding yeah. uh, anything that's going on inside of them, like their emotions. Like you hide your emotions because you think, oh my gosh, like I'm weak if I share that I'm angry or I'm sad or if I cry. I mean, Jesus wept, hello. Like we got to embrace our emotional world and you can't be spiritually mature without being emotionally healthy. And so I like what led me to the point where uh, I realized I really needed to deal with this from a holistic standpoint was the PTSD, the trauma, the codependency issues and my emotional unhealth were really the root issue behind my drinking. So once you add an addictive substance to anything, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What what were your fears of facing your issues that wanted you to rather try to cover them artificially, which obviously, as you said, just made it worse? What, what were sort of the root, some of the root fears? I didn't know how. how? Ignorant, not being ignorant yeah. of how to cope with it? Yes, wow. 100%. One of Maya Angelou has a quote um, that I love that says um, she was ignorant of being ignorant until she became aware that she was unaware. So we that's why I wrote this book. We're unaware a lot of the time, doing things unconsciously, going through life in autopilot. Mm. And when we, we can be severely harming ourselves and be completely clueless about it. So my goal through this book is to bring awareness to the scope of the slope the slippery slope of addiction to the impact of shame on the human body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Um, like if we can get aware that shame is that impactful, that it's, it's the most powerful emotion um, and we can become shame resilient and we can become aware of these things that hold us back from being the best version of ourselves. Like, I just want to bring awareness to people so they can perhaps the bottom can kind of come up to them instead of them hitting rock bottom. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, No, I, I, I think I get it. What would be some of the uh, warning signs for someone who may, whether it's them or a loved one? Sure. Are there, are there anything, is there anything that they could, that you could relate to that they could identify oh my gosh, I was unaware that I was unaware. Yeah, um, literally anything you're doing that's out of moderation, you need to look at. Hmm. So if it's out of moderation, it's beginning to have consequences that are escalating. And the consequences can be DUI, the consequences can be um, going into debt, foreclosure, you know, you're spending more yeah. than you should. 
um, consequences like your adrenal system is failing, your body is failing you because you overwork and you are high off adrenaline all the time and our bodies weren't made to function on high adrenaline all the time. Shame, like out of moderation, what does that look like? You go into fight, flight or freeze when you feel the emotion of shame. And what, what I didn't know why my medical file was labeled toxic shame as a diagnosis was that my body went into fight, flight or freeze. I was in fight, flight or freeze since childhood. Mm. We aren't meant to stay there. No wonder I had anxiety. No wonder I had depression. Like it, because I didn't take care of that root issue and it was out of moderation, it escalated. So we have to look at what's out of moderation in our life that might be have harmful side effects. Um, are you rationalizing your behavior? So, oh, you know, I just binge drank that one time and, you know, I can't remember the night before, but it was just that one time, but it's really happening more frequently than you say, are you having relational issues like fights with a loved one? Yeah. Because uh, they're trying to ask you to stop or slow down, whether it's gaming, spending, porn use, whatever it is, and you're having relational issues because you keep going to this substance, place, or thing yeah. to medicate your pain, satiate your stress, um, what or what have you. So are you rationalizing? Are you hiding? If you're hiding something, you're hurting someone. <laughs> if you are um, uh, isolating, that's a sign also. Like I, in my shame, I isolated and hid. So I drank by myself. I wasn't out partying or doing anything like that. I drank, are, you have to look at that. Am I, what, am I hiding what I'm doing and doing it? And it's growing in darkness. That sin, that shame is separating me from God and isolating me spiritually and in the natural with my natural relationships. Um, yeah, and those cons, like if you try to stop and you have trouble because you start to lose sleep, you have tremors, your, you know, um, cr your cravings are stronger than you're able to admit um, and handle on your own. So, Aside from the, or maybe it was just the ultimatum from your husband, was was that the thing that got you to take that first step towards getting clean and, and facing a lot of these issues? Or was there something else inside you that clicked that you just said, I can't, I can't go this direction anymore? Oh, it never clicked. No. I didn't, <laughs> I literally did not want to go get help. Hmm. I did not want to. If it wasn't for the ultimatum, and the intervention from some pastor friends of mine um, where my friend sat me down in, in a way that was not shaming said, if you know, if you had a broken leg, wouldn't you go to the hospital? She's like, you, there's something going on. And she just reminded me of all the indications that I wasn't well. And um, she reminded me of my children that were at stake. Um, you know, my church that I loved at stake, my marriage at stake. She reminded me all of all of those things and encouraged me to go get help. And um, the the moment where I made the decision to go was when she said, have you ever thought about looking at going to rehab, not as something like you are bad, something shameful, like, oh, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. What if you looked at it as it's the bravest thing I could ever do mm -hmm. for myself and my children? 
and my husband. And when I looked at it that way, I was like, okay, I'll consider it. And then we started researching and I found a place that dealt with uh, addiction through the lenses of trauma. Hmm. So dealing with those underlying issues, not just the symptom of of the alcoholism, but the underlying issues yeah. that led me to drink. Yeah. That's what got me to rehab. But I, I didn't stop there, by the way. I didn't like admit it till day 38 and I was there 40 days. Oh, wow. That's how bad the denial was. Wow. Now, I, I have heard that, that that first step is the hardest. Is, was that the case with you or was it hard for 38 days? No, I, I felt like I was doing so great. I was getting acupuncture and uh, my med- I learned how to meditate and, you know, calm my nervous system. I was dealing with my trauma, going to EMDR therapy, somatic therapy, equine therapy, like all of these things, group therapy, individual psychiatry. Like I had it all, the whole holistic approach. I was doing my devotions, they, but they forced you to go to AA. Hmm. And I went to the AA meetings begrudgingly. And on day 38, I'll never forget it. I was sitting there and, um, you know, I just, it finally hit me that I was looking at the the devotion we were doing in AA spoke about uh, looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. We have distorted vision. So we can't see our loved ones. We can't see God right in front of us because our vision is distorted. And they asked us the question, uh, what is distorted in your life? And I'm like, oh my gosh, the Lord just spoke to me in that moment on my insides. I felt the Holy Spirit, like my chest got so hot. Like Irene, if you would just admit your weakness, it's not saying you are bad. It's just saying that you can't ever drink again. So I related with everyone's stories in the room. I knew I identified with having a problem. But saying I was an alcoholic to me was saying I the worst thing about me possible. Mm. Like I couldn't handle what it felt like to identify with that label. So, but the moment that I realized that there was freedom on the other side of my admitting, I raised my hand and said, my name's Irene and I believe that I am a recovering alcoholic. And the whole room stood up and cheered for me hmm. because they, they were knew. like, I've been waiting 30 <laughs> for you to admit this. <laughs> yeah, I did everything I was supposed to. But that one thing, because of shame, I held on to it. I was like, no. And let me tell you something. The weight that lifted off of me, that the moment I said that, hmm. it's like my entire life changed. My Jimmy, he was on the road to forgiveness from the moment I admitted hmm. Until then, he was like, I'm I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this marriage because she won't admit she has a problem. And like his grace is sufficient, as he promises in Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine. The moment I admitted it, my weaknesses, the strength of the Lord came over me and I've been able to walk out my recovery on the basis of the grace of God the grace of God. And he has built my muscle um, in this thing. That's why I can talk freely about it without shame because he's built the muscle over time. Yeah. 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 A couple of of questions, because I know people can think this. One Mm -hmm. of them would be, 
I I can I can do this. I can make the change. I can change what I'm doing. Uh, I I can do this mm-hmm. alone. Another one, which will be a very you know sort of church version of this, is is well God's sufficient. Uh, just me and God, we can do this. Mm-hmm. Can and and I'm not saying people can't change themselves or you know confess to the Lord and and walk out of something. But mm-hmm. you you needed community, did you not? 100%. So we can confess our sins to God and be forgiven. That's what the word says. Mm-hmm. But confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. That's, so good. That's the key. We're walking around forgiven, but we're not healed. Mm. We're still dysfunctional. So they call it in um, AA, the AA world, recovery world, um, uh, the pink elephant in the room, which is signifies um, someone who is absent of the substance, but still has all of the behaviors and dysfunction of while you were addicted. So mm. I can be a dry drunk. Mm. So it, you, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I quit the substance because the power of God hit me at church or in a conversation or driving down the road. I know people who've had spontaneous sobriety. Yep. That's wonderful and awesome. I don't negate that. That was not my experience. Um, I still, even in my sobriety and removing the substance, it still took time of confession with others and continued asking forgiveness from the Lord to before my heart changed, before my mind changed. The renewal of the mind that the Lord promises will happen comes with practice and it comes with community. So we we can't do it alone. And the, these 12 step programs, especially Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-based mm-hmm. 12 step program. You know, people look at them, they're like, oh, they're just for addicts, right? No, it's community of people with hurts, mm-hmm. hangups, and habits. Hmm. Hurts, we all have them. Unforgiveness, trauma, pain, divorce, grief, all of those. Hang-ups. Hang-up is like unforgiveness. A hang-up can be um, workaholism. A hang-up can be from anything like that. Yeah, control, mm-hmm. anger, excessive anger, outbursts. Um, all of those things that are out of moderation, hurting ourselves and the people yeah. we love. And then uh, habits, which can be anything from food addiction, uh, shopping, like love addiction, porn addiction, all of it. So Celebrate Recovery is like this safe place where you can go work this 12-step program that comes from the Beatitudes. Like this is Jesus on the mount <laughs> telling us like, hello, people, you can renew your mind and live a life free if you do these things which is confess your sins regularly, daily, saying, you know what, God, I can't do this without you. I'm weak in, you fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. God, I'm resentful for blank. And if I don't deal with it, it's gonna lead me to what? That's what the 12-step program is doing. It's allowing a life change to happen because you're connecting with yourself, getting honest with yourself and others getting connected with the Lord and acknowledging you can't do it without him. You're powerless over whatever it is, fill in the blank, without the help of the Lord. That's constant surrender. Mm. You have nothing but freedom in your future. And like 
the promises of God, the more we surrender, the more we give him opportunity to work in us. So being God, yes, I can change. Yes, but not alone, not you cannot experience total freedom alone. You need people. And then what keeps me sober? Talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm accountable to millions of people yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to drink again. You best believe that because there are too many people who have who I'm accountable to. Mm-hmm. So let, let me ask you about the, the rewards. Uh, I want to show people real quick. Somebody, if you're watching this and you you are wishing that you were where Irene is now. I want to point out her book, Reframe Your Shame, where she talks about experiencing freedom from the things that hold you back. Um, but I want to I, w- I want you to tell people, Irene, the rewards that you have gotten over the last six years for going through those difficult things, taking that hard step. Mm-hmm. Going through the pain, I'm not going to pretend like it's not a painful process at times. Uh, but what are the rewards for that? The rewards look like this. Number one, my connection with the Lord. It's like you took the lid off my relationship. This glass ceiling in my relationship with God was lifted because I'm not hiding anymore behind a fig leaf. I'm not hiding behind a tree like Adam and Eve. Like I am like, here I am, God, flaws and all. And so... I receive his grace and mercy and that before it's almost like I cheapened the work of the cross because I was like, you know, his grace doesn't apply to me. Mm. That's what shame says. Mm. I'm that broken Mm. that not even the blood or the, the sacrifice of the cross is enough to heal me. So I get to experience God in a fresh and a new way. I get to be connected with myself. That's a reward. When you're in trauma, numbing and in shame, medicating and in addiction, you are disconnecting from yourself and not caring for yourself. So now I get to be present for myself, honor my body, my mind and who I am. Uh, Another joy is being able to connect with my husband. Like I've learned communication skills. I've learned um, awareness and emotional intelligence and all of these things that led to my drinking. I now am enjoying the fruit of it, which is healthy relationships with Mm. my spouse and my children. In our family meetings that we learned at my rehab center, we learned to talk about our emotions and um, be gentle with ourselves and non-judgmental towards one another, creating safe spaces. So our communication and connection as a family is something I never even knew existed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about perfect family. I'm talking about we can talk about anything mm-hmm. and we can resolve conflict. Um, another reward is my church. When I was two years and three months sober and had enough credibility behind me, I got on our stage and shared my story with our church Mm -hmm. and I left them with uh, the thoughts, three things. Um, Number one, you have to admit you have an issue. You have to accept the consequences of whatever it is that you're dealing with, accept God's grace and apply the work. And that meant counseling. I'm talking about holistic approach. I taught them about emotional health, how it's connected to your spiritual health. Our church grew Mm -hmm. drastically. Mm -hmm. 
So that was a huge reward because people were like, me too, I struggle. Yeah. Um, so the reward continues as people continue to message me and tell me I got sober, my marriage was healed um, and things of that nature. So it, it, it's so rewarding to get a message. And uh, I've a, there's a lady who came to my book launch party that was 900 days sober mm-hmm. because had lost 50 pounds, just finally, uh, she's a mom and she was becoming an, al- she, she is an alcoholic, <laughs> she admits it. And um, she walked into church and heard me preaching and reference my alcoholism. And she's like, if she can do it, so can I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she approached me and I brought her in in love, brought her to celebrate recover with, recovery with me. And now she's living her best life not without hard work it's the the hard stuff still happens you see randy like life still happens people die betrayal grief we just deal with it differently now right right now so okay so i'm i'm guessing this would be a stupid question to say do you miss the shame do you miss the things that drove you to drink i still get shame attacks do you because shame is an emotion that we all experience as human beings it's what you do with it. Yeah. So now when I experience and I'm not enough or I experience a, um, uh, you know, anything that attacks what and that it wakes up the inner critic, that's what shame does. When I get shame attacks, I still have to recognize it, look at it. Is it true? Is it not true? What's the data here? Yeah. Um, to support this feeling about myself. And obviously, if it's something like I'm not enough, I am enough because God said I'm enough. So I combat it with the word of God. I combat it in therapy when I talk it through with my therapist. And I'm like, look, I'm struggling with this and having the confidence to move forward. Help me come up with steps. So it's not that I ever am free completely from the emotion of shame. I just deal with it different. And it doesn't. I know how to pull myself out. When I say I'm going down to that dark place, my friends know, okay, we're going to sit on Irene's couch. I stay in, I am in a Celebrate Recovery uh, pastor's wives group. Wow. So yeah, they exist. Confidential, online, just contact your local Celebrate Recovery or the, the main Celebrate Recovery and you can find them. There's nothing under the sun where there's not a community that you could get well with. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's, in, that's encouraging. People need to know that. Here's another mm-hmm. question. And, and I asked this because of someone else that I interviewed who had come out of all sorts of addiction. Uh, and he insists, I believe it was a man, um, that you not call him an addict. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where you are no longer a recovering alcoholic or an alcoholic or is there an attachment? How do I, and maybe it's just semantics. I, I don't know. Um, That's a great question. Is it, is it? Okay. Yeah. What's your it's take a on great that? question. So this is from my experience. So uh, <laughs> in my experience, I was taught that putting a label on me was not okay, especially in the Christian in the church, world. Sure, right. You know? And um, that was one reason why I fought it so hard and it took me to day 38 and i talk about that in my book day 38 was a big day and um it a lot of it had to do with you don't label yourself don't call me that Mm -hmm. but again reframing the shame of it 
is simply looking at it from a different perspective. What, why I started to ask myself questions. Why is it so hard to identify with having a problem with alcohol? Because that's what an alcoholic is. It's a person who has abused alcohol to the point where you have altered your brain chemistry. Mm. Now I can't have one because one is too many and it makes me think that a thousand is not enough. So if I have one, because I've altered my brain chemistry, I have crossed the line into an addictive, I have altered the brain that God created. He didn't create it this way, mm. but I changed it by abusing alcohol. Mm. So if alcohol hits my system, it's like an allergy. Mm. I can't have it ever again. Mm. I don't even eat candy with it. I won't take certain medications. I won't, you know what I mean? Like I use because I'm not letting that in my body because I know I'm allergic to it. When you begin to reframe whatever it is that you may have uh, uh, be using to take you somewhere emotionally that has gotten out of moderation and you've become powerless over it. Mm. Yeah, that's key. You've If you've become powerless over it until you admit it, until you confess it and say, this is my weakness, it's my thorn in the flesh. Paul cried out to God and said, take this thing away from me in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Take it, he begged three times, take it away, take it away. He didn't want the label, but God said, my grace is sufficient. My grace mm. is sufficient. My power is perfected in your weakness. So every time I admit I'm an alcoholic, I'm simply surrendering my weakness to the Lord. And I'm reframing it not as shame, but as a broken part of my humanity. Mm. And when we learn to embrace our brokenness and our humanity and acceptance of God's grace and acceptance of our flaws and acceptance of ourselves floods us rather than shame. And that's how we live free. Mm. I would ask that person the question. So, and I'm not saying they're bad for their thinking and their logic. What I'm saying is ask yourself the question, why do I feel like that la- that label or that term addiction uh, doesn't apply to me? Or why? what comes up feeling-wise when I say that? And yeah. start asking, the, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you by admitting you have an addiction? I, I think that it goes to a little bit of like what my pastor, my former pastor used to say, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I looked at it one day, I'm like, doesn't, doesn't it get any better than that? Is there a point where you're not identified as a sinner because of God's grace, because you are a new creation? And so mm-hmm. I, I think the, the thinking along that lines would be, I was an addict. God rescued me from that, rebuilt me, recreated me, you know, redeemed mm-hmm. me from that. So I, I can see, I can see that point two. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just curious. It is. And I think that's where it's situational. That's why I said, I can't really speak to, I don't want to, I want to make sure that that person is, uh, in it for the right reasons. Sure. You know, you ask yourselves these exploratory questions in my journey, very specifically and yeah. my experience, I 100% have altered my brain chemistry. Yeah. I know it Yeah, because that person, that woman, that was hurting her kids and her husband, that's not who I am. Mm. That was addiction. That was a crazy making, crazy woman that 
under the influence. That is not me. Mm. So by saying I'm an alcoholic, I'm reminding myself I can never drink again. I get it. Because the compulsion to drink is real. It's real. Yeah. So I refuse to ever go backwards. So my journey of shame recovery is admitting my weakness. And I have a, yeah. Yeah, I get it. And and, and interestingly, I mean, alcohol is an easy one to identify. um, And it does have the, it's a very physical reaction in the way that drugs would be as well, a lot of them. But I, man, I know people that it's, it's, it's a way of thinking that they can revert back to just like that. And, and I think they need the same attitude that you have towards alcohol. Like, no, I, I have an allergy towards, you know, control issues would be a, a big one. Uh, the, the workaholism that, mm-hmm. you know, does spark some physical things in your body. I think though, what, what I'm hearing makes sense in that you got to, you got to know where your potential weaknesses lie in order to not fall prey to them again. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. And yeah. And if, can I add something right Absolutely. here? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thought of the new creation. Yes. For some people who don't deal with the level of shame to it being as toxic as it was to me. Mm. I, I, there's a way that I have to process with my mind um, to acknowledge my weakness is a very critical thing in my recovery. Um, so it's not that like for some people, again, get have spontaneous sobriety. Some people, again, are able to say I'm a new creation and just feel like walking freedom right away. That wasn't my experience. I fight every day mm. to feel like I'm enough. Mm and experience the grace of God. It's not some easy fix. So, so enlightening and, and helpful and encouraging. And to all those of you who are watching that have experienced similar things and have commented, thank you for your comments, encouragement to you. Uh, praise yeah. God for the good things. For those of you who are dealing with some hard things right now, I, I'm reading these comments and some of them are, are mm-hmm. tough. Um, reach out and get help. Yes. You, you can't. There is no darkness that is too dark for the light of God. And if you don't even believe in God, fine. Go through one of these programs. Uh, Celebrate Recovery, a great one. Uh, just get the help. I mean, just take one step at a time. Uh, but but don't 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 suffocate. Don't isolate. Don't sit there and and let yourself just waste away. Irene, I want to show people, and by the way, if, if you want to go deeper on your own, again, you can pick up the book. This is a resource to help you, but I want to show people this website. This is, this is another thing. This is two equals one.com. First time I've mentioned, it, I just want to, I want to give you the opportunity, Irene, to let people know the great things that God is using you to do. You're not just the recovering addict. I mean, you, you've got a lot more to offer. So tell them about two, two equals one. Absolutely. So part of, if you go on in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it goes on to say, now I can boast of what the uh, the Lord has done in my life. And I think my boasting is happening through two equals one. Jimmy and I have been married 23 years and it's been the best seven years ever. <laughs> and the, that past, the past seven years coincides with my sobriety and Jimmy getting healthy too. Mm. He went, he was abusing food. He was, and he ballooned up to 420 pounds. And it was like, almost like that was acceptable 
<laughs> to people for right. some reason. Right. Right. And um, but I was about two years sober. He finally dealt with his issues, admitted it, and we worked together and he's lost 100 over 150 pounds living his best life. And what we do through two equals one is we want to just share how God restored, redeemed uh, our marriage. We have something we never thought was possible of, and we want to give that away to other people, a marriage of love, laughter, and longevity. So we're going to do hard work. We're going to get real, raw, and on honest, and we're going to invite the Lord into the process as well and become this marriage that God designed to be a testimony to the world of wow. his love, his grace, and his redemptive power. It's through the power of that, the the marriage and what marriage represents that we can preach the greatest gospel message ever. So we left senior pastoring to focus on helping marriages last, remain, and um, make it desirable get, again for people. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I you know what I love. It, it could for some people, if they, especially if they have a, a sort of a chemical addiction. Uh, they can feel like they're just giving up a lot because it makes them feel good. But you've gone beyond that, and now you're picking up the things that you're losing, which are those relationships, which in the end really make you feel better. I mean, I don't, not a lot of people in their deathbed going, I wish I could just have one more drink. What they're going is, I wish I'd spent more time with my family and building those relationships. And to, to see what God's doing and redeeming your your pain and trauma uh it's got to be fulfilling. Oh, 100%. I feel like Joseph, Genesis 50, 20, you know, what the enemy meant for evil to mm. kill and destroy him. It's like God used to save the lives of many people. Our greatest pain and misery can, if we reframe it and we give it to the Lord and allow him to reframe it, it can become our greatest ministry. And just like Jesus's work on the cross, like it, you know, he reframed shame. He experienced the ultimate shame in his in the crucifixion pain. Um, so he knows and relates what, to what we feel like when we feel hopeless and we feel shame and we feel pain. But he redeemed it because on the third day he rose again and he's seated at a place in honor. So it's like we can, he was in the reframing game and we should be too. So like your greatest pain and misery, God, I believe will use for to help save the lives of many people. If you'll do the work to get free and then help set others free. Yeah. So good. Mm -hmm. Th thank you. So uh, this has been inspiring and, and educational, frankly, for me. Um, sure. But I, I just thank you. Thank you so much for, for talking about it and for just being a light, Irene. Thank you. My, it's my honor, my pleasure. I will boast for the rest of my life for the goodness of God and how he rescued me. So I want to give it away. <laughs> Whew. Well, thank you guys for watching, for commenting, for sharing, for subscribing and following. I like that too. But man, if somebody needs to hear this, whether to save them from hitting the bottom really hard or maybe to encourage them on their journey that they're on a recovery journey right now. Uh, this is this is a really good one to share. So I would encourage that. Right, Check out come, Irene's book come, uh, and the website, 2equals1.com. And come back. And We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. They will find no trials in God's ever-flowing and abundant rings of grace.